Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show about exploring all the mysteries in this ineffable universe we call home. Today on the show, as requested by supporters, we're going to be talking about alien hybrids, but this is just going to be a quick summary of a handful of sources. Uh, if I really wanted to cover this topic in, you know, objectively and all-encompassing, this would be many, 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 many episodes. And if you want me to make many, many episodes on this topic, then let me know. One of the best ways to let me know is to support the show and communicate with me directly. It's an extremely vast topic that is extremely fascinating and also kind of disturbing in a lot of ways because a lot of it is doom and gloom kind of stuff. There's also kind of the more new age side of things, which is much more positive and uplifting. But let's, let's just hop right into it, shall we? I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. This is, this is the way. This is the way. common view within believer circles concerning alien hybrids is that many are already walking among us. And interestingly enough, there is actually is evidence to support this theory. Not prove it, obviously, but support a working theory, yes. As an example, around 10 to 15% of humanity is objectively different than the rest. And those are the RH negative blood types. They have unique bodies and minds. And if you believe Nick Redfern, even spiritually different and psychically different. In Redfern's book, Bloodline of the Gods, he goes into fascinating detail about theories concerning RH negative blood types. And indeed, this blood type is insanely unique and goes against science and Darwinian evolution. While natural selection is objectively factual, evolution is still a theory, but a theory that most average people just accept offhand. So RH negative blood types defying the theory of evolution itself should raise some eyebrows. Even stranger, RH negatives hold a lopsided amount of positions of power and influence. Why is that? According to Nick Redfern, they've been holding these positions in human society for eons. He presents that these RH negatives could be human hybrids and possibly even a Trojan horse of sorts. Personally, I'm not too eager to get into the black pill doom and gloom conspiracy theories, but it is interesting to think about, I'll admit. And the book Bloodline of the Gods does lay out a compelling narrative. One of the greatest mysteries of anthropology is the sudden vanishing of Neanderthals around 40,000 years ago. There really is no solid explanation for their sudden extinction, but a variety of theories exist trying to explain it, such as violence, parasites, pathogens, competitive replacement, extinction by interbreeding with early modern human populations, natural catastrophes, climate change, and inbreeding depression are the most mainstream ideas to explain their disappearance. Nick Redfern suggests the possibility that ruthless alien overseers could have concocted a virus that would only attack Neanderthals. The aliens could have done it to protect their newly developed experiment from unnecessary competition and ultimately eradicate this possible threat without even having to lift a finger or leave orbit from around the planet. And if you think the creation of an artificial virus to only target specific types of people or genetic properties is pretty out there, 
You'd be surprised this is already a thing in the world we live in today. In November 1998, the British media reported that MI6 had discovered a top-secret program in Israel to create a virus that only harms Arabs. It was a top-secret program that was obviously halted and buried, but if that doesn't slightly shock you, then I don't know what to say. My point is just that the idea of manufactured viruses that are engineered to only target specific groups is very much a reality that we will have to come to grasp with eventually. So, Redfern's theory is within the realm of possibility. Nick Redfern later goes into the polarizing lore behind the Anunnaki extraterrestrials, which I had a feeling he was going to get to eventually. I do enjoy his view on gold and how the Anunnaki only coming to Earth for riches is nonsense, at least in the narrative that we're used to. Uh, not necessarily, but um, I should elaborate on that, but I'm not going to. The popular alternative is that the Anunnaki needed gold to fix their damaged atmosphere, but there are little-known attributes to gold that some suggest could have medical value, such as forms of healing and even life extension. There is the controversial matter of white powder gold, and if you look deep into the old lore, the Shining Ones literally did shine. The Anunnaki were said to actually have a visible glow about their bodies. This kind of goes along with the old Philosopher's Stone idea, which has analogous ideas in China, India, and all about the world. Even in the Bible, there are tales of insanely long-lived characters who could have been gifted white powder gold by the Anunnaki. So, the insanely long lifespan of the Anunnaki could very much have been unnatural, and the whole hybrid experiment was focused on a smaller group of humanoids. I don't want to get too into the Anunnaki stuff, because I've covered that topic extremely in-depth on a many episodes not that long ago but it is a necessary part to put in just to give context and with mines found in south africa dating over a hundred thousand years and names and terms of their tale being found in other famous cultures of the ancient world it's hard not to bring up the anunnaki when talking about like ancient alien human hybrid programs i mean the first place the anunnaki made their home like their home base was called eden which sounds just like the Eden from Biblical Scripture, complete with the creation of the Adamu, which is suspiciously similar to the name Adam from the book of Genesis in the Bible. Although, according to Sitchin, the Adamu, a.k.a. Adam, was the name for the whole human race. Not a single man or a woman, in the case of Eve. And oddly, this idea is found in uh, some esoteric lore, specifically... If I recall correctly, it's found in the Talmud? I could be wrong. The Adamu were the first hybrids that they actually engineered to be able to reproduce and are technically Homo sapiens sapiens, the modern human race, but not quite there yet. But they're basically that thing. The book also goes into the old, uh, you know, battle between the Anunnaki, which was the straw that broke the camel's back to their colonies on Earth. After the destruction... The Anunnaki left Earth, well, most of them, as is the usual tale. But what I find interesting is that in his elaboration is that he says a small amount of Anunnaki specifically stayed behind to continue the genetic experimentations or watch over and maintain their Rh-negative blood type hybrids. He says that the nuclear attack could have made the Anunnaki sick and begin to lose their long lifespans. Basically, uh, equating the greys as being Anunnaki, but a degraded form of it. How they lost their technology when the rest of the Anunnaki fled Earth. They degraded into the greys. But he gives many possibilities. It's not just, he doesn't stick to just like one type of thing. You should just assume anything I'm saying is one among a variety of ideas that he could be talking about. You should really check out the book but he gives many possibilities and doesn't get stuck in the mud. Redfern also says that the Anunnaki could have created the Greys to continue their work during their immensely long, but temporary absence until the Anunnaki home planet gets close to Earth again to make space travel safe. Uh, the Nibiru Planet X stuff, insert. There is an interesting reference that he states about Streber's work, 
in which gray aliens have been seen in abductee reports to be dead on the ground in appearance, but then like suddenly rise in life. The bodies being like suits, like a, like a diving suit. Some etheric essence, possibly from another dimension, enters the gray alien quote-unquote suit to go about their work in genetic engineering on humans. Like uh, could be like a soul or a spirit coming in from somewhere else. To inhabit the body of the gray and only when that spirit is actually there to possess the body does the gray alien body move and act like it's alive i find that pretty interesting that the aliens could come from somewhere else and use gray alien bodies like a suit to interact with reality here like they actually live in another dimension or something like that and require avatar bodies to exist here that's a pretty cool idea to analyze the book also associates alien gods that created us, their hybrids, with fairy folklore, demons from the Bible, and myriad other anomalous encounters with high strangeness throughout human history. Much like John Keel, Willie Strieber, Mike Cleland, Frederick Dodson, Courtney Brown, and Jeffrey Kripal, it states that there is, quote-unquote, something that has always been with humanity that is beyond our comprehension which is responsible for many cases of encounters with the other. John Keel called them the ultra-terrestrials of the super-spectrum, but these others could fit the role pretty much for all paranormal beings, I guess, from a certain perspective. Redfern mostly throws out a lot of ideas without being set in any one narrative, like I said, which I respect and enjoy, but mostly he closes on the idea that the hybrid program with humans is anything but beneficial to us. In fact, the abductions he mentions seem pretty messed up. They force some humans to do sexual acts with one another against their will, or do a lot of other sexual stuff against their will to harvest sperm and eggs and whatnot, stuff like that. Some abductees are even forced to have sex with alien females, or, or uh, females with alien males. That gets pretty weird pretty quick. The aliens have an ability to mesmerize humans and bring out emotions, ideas, and arousal in them. All in the end to possibly fully replace normal humanity with their hybrid creation. The aliens could be doomed in some way genetically. And through us and our genome, they see a way out of their doom for their species. And according to Redfern, the majority of people abducted for the hybrid program are blood type 0 negative, the universal donor. He says that all the blood type negatives are pretty much the RH negative, and it's these people the aliens seem to be the most interested in for their hybrid program abductions. One of the most interesting and unique things I found about Nick Redfern's research is his connection of alien hybrids to the black-eyed children paranormal phenomenon. There have been reports of black-eyed children for years, and they all come with the same calling cards, even if the person knows about the black-eyed children or has never heard of them. Doesn't make a difference. Which is why the accounts of encounters concerning them should raise some, some alarm, because uh, things that are less reliable, the story changes. How things go changes over time. People have different accounts that contradict one another. That's how you know things shouldn't be really be trusted or they should be taken with a grain of salt. But when accounts become consistent, that's when they become alarming and credible. Black-eyed children encounters usually occur when someone is alone or isolated. Not necessarily isolated in a total sense, but let's just say not in easy reach of other people. They knock on people's doors vehicle windows, or even windows in buildings or the home. A night watchman making sure facility is secure could just as easily have one knocking on the glass or the door, for example. People who work the night shift have had many encounters with black-eyed children because of their natural isolation of their job. It could happen anywhere, as long as certain criteria are met. After getting the person's attention, the black-eyed children or I guess it could be a single one too, but 
They do come in pairs or more. But after getting the person's attention, the children ask to be let inside. If it is a car, they may act nervous and say that they need a ride home. They are lost or something. If it is a building or a home, they may say that they are lost and need to use the phone or the bathroom. In any case, they will try to use... They will try to like guilt the person uh, and use them being children as leverage to trick the person into letting them come inside. People who let them come inside are never heard from again or found dead. But in the initial encounter, nobody really knows what happens to the, to the people who come inside actually. But it uh, never ends well because there's no tales of people who survived the encounter of letting them in. But um, during the initial encounter, all seems normal at first. But dread usually follows if the person does not quickly give in to their request. And it is then that the black eyes of the children are usually noticed, and the otherworldly horror of the children becomes quite apparent. Redfern says that these black-eyed children are E.T. hybrids and that you should never say yes to them when they ask if they can come inside. What's also interesting is this whole way they go about stuff is uh, in line with old vampire myths and the like. The vampire could only come inside someone's house if invited, if given permission to come in. Black-eyed children have the same limitation, it seems, for unexplained reasons. Black Eyed Children lore is some serious high strangeness, and I did not think I was going to find them in a book on alien hybrids, which was a pleasant surprise and uh, fascinating. I, I don't think uh, I don't think I've ever like come across information equating Black Eyed Children with alien hybrids or aliens before. Sadly, there wasn't too much more information on the connection between Black Eyed Children and alien hybrids, so I can't really elaborate more. Even though I'd really like to. Really interesting connection. But not all ET hybrids are created to mimic normal humans. Some hybrids on UFOs have been pretty disturbing in accounts of abductees. There are hybrids that have pretty menial purposes in their creation, with many being basically slaves. They are smaller than humans or bigger depending on their designed tasks. And according to abductees, these slave worker hybrids exist in a pretty low level of consciousness and can be completely controlled through the alien's mental manipulation. Telepathy, I guess. Abductees who have tried to communicate with them, though, have said that they can communicate back, but it's not verbally. It is mentally, and their level of understanding and interaction is extremely basic, and their bodies are only designed for their intended task, and nothing more. So, so they can look pretty weird. There are also the hybrids that have cleaner DNA of human-gray hybrid, and are almost indistinguishable from gray aliens, just smaller. They are considered to be a part of the gray alien race, but a lower class. Second-class citizens. They perform menial tasks, and assist the larger, more intelligent, pure quote-unquote, grays during experiments. Then, of course, there are the hybrids that look exactly like humans. The gray alien hybrid lore is actually a lot more vast than I thought and has some pretty, pretty prestigious names behind it concerning research. And I'm talking doctors, best-selling authors, and academics. People who normally would not have their name associated with stuff that they didn't take seriously. Even a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists are renowned researchers on the subject. And I know I've, uh, I've made fun of stuff like past life regression and things like that in the past because there's just so much that can go wrong with that kind of stuff or, or the uh, hypnotist not being objective or knowledgeable enough to do it for that specific person. But that doesn't mean I throw it all out the window. I think that it is possible, especially if somebody has no idea of it or it's being performed on them because then their subconscious can't like, uh, you know, put up some filters. But I do think it's possible. I just think a lot of it is BS. I'm in the middle ground there. 
but according to this stuff with the um, hybrids and regression therapy, there's a fascinating aspect to psychology and hypnosis in bringing to the surface buried memories hidden from the conscious mind. The mind does bury things that are just too much for the conscious mind to take. Like, uh, specifically, the mind will bury forms of trauma, especially if they're repeated. It'll bury it deep in the subconscious, only allowing out little glimpses or altered versions of events. This can happen in dreams a lot, where the dream is analogous to an actual trauma that the person has repressed and experienced, but it plays out in a way that is different and more, it's more symbolic. It is a natural selection defense mechanism that humans have developed for survival. Most abductees would likely have the event suppressed because the human mind would simply not be able to cope with the impossibility and terror and violation of their established reality that would be an ET abduction. Rather than confronting the event, the mind would bury it deep in the subconscious so that the person could still function normally as much as possible to, you know, fulfill the natural selection or impulse for survival. If you're going to survive in the wilderness around like monsters and beasts and resource gathering, you don't have time to be inhibited by trauma. Hypnosis can very much be used to dig up these buried memories, but it has to be with the right qualified psychologist. I can get a lot more into the stories behind these hypnotic regressions when it's somebody that I actually consider respectable in the field. But it also means to be good at this, you have to actually be more than just a psychologist because you have to understand all kinds of different things, including the UFO phenomenon as a whole in kind of like a, an expert level. There's more to it than just being a psychologist or a hypnotist. And let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some of these alien regression stories about abductions. You are listening to Cryptic Chronicles. One thing you can invest in that does not lose value is gold and silver. There is no better place to go for financial security than GoldCo. Rated A plus by the Better Business Bureau. Get the free 2023 gold IRA kit Americans are using to protect their retirement savings. Get your free 2023 gold IRA kit at goldcogoldkit.com. GoldCo is a leader in the precious metals industry. From Precious Metals IRA to direct purchases of precious metal coins and bars, we partner with individuals seeking to diversify and safely grow their retirement portfolios. Allow Gold Co. to make your gold and silver investments easy, seamless, and secure. Our investment is in good hands. Chuck Norris, what? Oh, I'm recording. $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Did someone say $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at amuse.com. Use promo code PODCAST to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's A-M-U-S-E dot com. Is your brain always hungry? Do you have a mental appetite that often goes unsated? You may be suffering from hungry brain syndrome, 
a debilitating and sometimes life-threatening condition experienced by humans who require double, sometimes even quadruple, the amount of mental nutrition needed to sustain the general population. But now there's help. For years, our dedicated team of world-class researchers have been developing a thicker, more nutrient-dense podcast specifically for sufferers of hungry brain syndrome. And now we want to share it with you. All you have to do is search for our podcast, The Whole Rabbit, in your podcast player of choice and select from one of our delicious flavors like Slovenian succubi, Gnosticism, or Ancient Egypt. It's no wonder The Whole Rabbit is the most recommended treatment for hungry brain syndrome on the market. So what are you waiting for? Try The Whole Rabbit today. Do not listen while deep sea diving. Side effects may include eating carrots and shooting lasers. Best-selling author David M. Jacobs goes into a more psychological side of the hybrid topic in his book, The Threat. David is one of these uh, psychologists and hypnotists that try to bring up memories that have been suppressed by people, specifically traumatic memories. But according to him, a lot of these trauma memories are actually false memories, screen memories. As an expert on the topic and well-versed in all of its history, Jacobs is very aware on how in things like past life regressions or just like bringing up, you know, suppressed memories, uh, the subconscious can actually shove out a lot of BS stories. The subconscious does not know the difference between like reality and dreams and things of that nature. So it can put on narratives and there can be a filter going. Just because you say something during hypnosis does not mean that that actually happened. Or if you remember something, it doesn't even mean that that's necessarily a real memory. You see how devious these this topic can get. And I'm really happy that Jacobs actually does acknowledge this. I really like because uh, most people who cover the topic get stuck in the woo-woo but he's grounded and is adept enough to detect false memories and, you know, possible BS shot out by the subconscious during altered states of consciousness. He, too, tells disturbing accounts of lifelong abductions starting in infancy that have a focus on sex and collecting human reproductive properties from abductees. But it's not all bad all the time. The aliens apparently inject false memories to the extent that they may paint the extraterrestrials in a brighter light, in stark contrast to what actually occurred. After some time with Dr. Jacobs, their once warm view of alien abductions usually fades to a more bleak outlook as the actual memories are revealed. Most are actually not ready for the buried memories suppressed in the subconscious to be acknowledged by the conscious mind and it completely shocks and traumatizes them all over again. So Dr. Jacob warns that many who have vague memories or suspect they are abductees should not look more into it or get hypnotic regression to bring up those lost memories because it can cause all kinds of mental health issues. Only people with a strong will and mind who are grounded should pursue to look deeper into these things because he says a lot of people regret it and they were better off in ignorance. These abductees used in hybrid programs are abducted over and over their entire life, and oddly, the abduction is generational. So many abductees have been getting abducted over generations passed on, like, um, and it's passed on to their descendants. This most likely has to do with the genetic compatibility in the creation of more hybrids, and such people may be influenced by the aliens to find spouses of other genetic matches for more uh, future gene harvesting. So according to a lot of the lore, these hybrids have been around for a long time and are nothing new to the planet Earth. Many of these human gray hybrids are not even aware that they are hybrids and are analogous to a Manchurian candidate kind of thing. They may have this unconscious push to pursue and fulfill certain things but are in no way aware of their origins or manipulation. And going off what researcher Nick Redburn says, this hybrid group is going to be mainly RH-negative blood types. The mental conditioning and powers of the aliens is impressive, and so potent. They can create an entire life of false memories for a hybrid, 
and then plop them down where they are needed on the chessboard. From the research into decoding the false memories of abductees, the ETs don't even really engage with the abductee unless it is one of the larger overseers, who seem to have a higher intellect than the others, and are the ones that perform the more sophisticated procedures. These overseers do engage in conversation with the abductee, but are always coy concerning anything beyond the most basic topics. If some of these suppressed memories that have been decoded are to be believed, the aliens have been conducting these hybrid experiments on humanity since biblical times, and that's a long time for them not to have finished up with their business already. Right? What do you think? That doesn't fully make sense, really, at least to me. If they've been genetically experimenting on us for so long, what are they waiting for? I mean, one of the views is that they are creating hybrids to infiltrate the human race and take over without ever firing a shot, isn't it? If they have been doing hybrid experiments with humans for that long, then why didn't they take over humanity like when it, back when it would have been much easier to do so? in our not-too-distant past. From this point of view, the only thing that makes sense, at least to me, and I could be wrong, is that they already have taken over. From this perspective, though, don't get me wrong. I'm not being literal. However, UFOs coming from parallel timelines or possible realities is also a common theory. So it could be possible that in other parallel worlds, they already have taken over Earth with their hybrids. And ours remains unconquered for long-term research. But there's also the whole fixing their genetic code issues uh, that is common, a common view as well, which concerning gray alien lore, at least, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. In any case, these hybrid sleeper agents could be called on at any moment to strike, with the ETs fully taking over their minds and letting them loose for their true agenda. Which is kind of a scary thought. They could be anyone, but are most likely someone with authority or influence. Dr. Jacobs' regressions have led to some pretty interesting insights concerning ETs. And I know it's hard to think of, but there are literally millions of reported abductions and UFO sightings reported across the U.S. Uh, regularly. I know I said that the majority of like interaction and communication with abductees by aliens is coy and never revealing much if the encounter is remembered in any detail at all, but some insight has been gained from them in one way or another. Dr. Jacobs says abductees have told him the greys are actually products of a hybrid experiment themselves, and that they were actually created by a higher intelligence, quote-unquote, when they're asked about it. They were created by a higher intelligence for specific purposes, but over time, they lost their ability to reproduce. This is also explained as one of the main issues in their ongoing hybrid program. Many hybrids are sterile and unable to replenish themselves, which is the opposite of what the aliens want. They want to fix their genes so that they can reproduce on their own again as an overarching objective. Now, this last bit is nothing new. I've said it before on the show, and I'm sure that we've all heard it a million times in other content about this kind of thing. But the former, that is pretty interesting. They themselves are the result of a hybrid program created by what they call a quote-unquote a higher intelligence. That's fascinating. I wonder what they did to lose their ability to reproduce. The whole not being able to breed aspect takes me back to the Anunnaki stuff, like how the first humans were genetically engineered to be sterile. It wasn't until the creation of the Adamu in Eden that there was a genetic lineage of altered humans that could breed and replicate itself on any large scale. So if Nick Redfern's view on the hybrid topic from his book Bloodline of the Gods is anything to go off of, the greys could be, I guess, Anunnaki that remained behind after the rest left and have somehow lost their technology or damaged their genome or something and are now using their creations, us, to try and fix themselves. However, in Dr. Jacob's regressions, the abductees have also spoken of insectoid aliens, so there could be more than one faction with genetic business on Earth, 
Oh, and I'm just uh, trying to stay grounded here in this, um, in the topic at hand. So, I know what you're thinking. There's tons of other aliens in UFO phenomena lore. And yeah, you're right. I'm just trying to stay in the reality tunnel that we're working with right now. Reptilians too, most likely are popping into mind. But just stay with me because you're going to find this interesting. Dr. Jacobs has stated in his book, The Threat, that there is a hybrid called the Late Stage Hybrids, and he refers to them as Nords. They can also reproduce on their own, and though tall and pale, can pass as humans the majority of the time. I think this part of the book is particularly fascinating because of all the lore surrounding Nords and tall whites and the like. I mean, aren't they supposed to be Pleiadians? They sh they're supposed to be a totally separate thing, aren't they? If they aren't, this is one hell of a coincidence. But this book says that these beings are actually hybrids. And they belong to these gray aliens or whatever. Um, that's one hell of a coincidence, right? Don't get me wrong. They could be totally separate things. But if they aren't, or if they are, and that's one hell of a coincidence. Like the Nords... There's two different types of Nords or Pleiadians, and one is these alien hybrids, the other are the legit ones from other UFO lore. You know what I'm saying? It's confusing. Sorry to be confusing. But these late-stage hybrids don't require egg and sperm harvesting and being created in a lab because they can just interbreed fine with normal humans. There is no evidence for just how many stages of a hybrid there are, but these Nord types are pretty self-evidently one of, if not the final stage of the current level of the ET progress on their hybrid program. It's not clear if male late-stage hybrids and female late-stage hybrids can reproduce on their own. Abductee accounts say that the female late-stage hybrids struggle with pregnancy and can rarely give birth to a healthy living baby on their own, but the male hybrids can interbreed fine with the humans. All the hybrids have their very specific purposes, as stated previously. Some are just slaves for menial work, others are assistants, and some are for gathering knowledge, spying, etc. Use your imagination, there's a hybrid for that. So clearly the hybrids are not alike in ability or behavior, to quote Dr. Jacobs. When two lifelong abductees who are coupled together by aliens are successful in insemination, the pregnant abductee is taken and the fetus removed from her body. The fetus is then placed in a tank filled with liquid nutrients. Abductees have reported rooms where thousands of these tanks are full aboard the UFOs. There they remain pretty much, vat-grown, until it becomes an infant. Abductees remark that these babies seem older than they are and don't act like normal babies, but seem to have a self-awareness about them normal human babies lack. Many abductees have stated the babies as young as two months old have strange mental capacities and could even somehow be penetrating the mind of the abductee in some form of telepathy. Though, it is a one-way street where the baby can see in, but not project anything from itself mentally into the abductee. In the regressions, abductees say they don't like looking into the eyes of hybrid babies because it seems like they might control them or influence them outside themselves, which is kind of creepy. The babies absorb nutrients through their skin, adolescence a mixture of eating and absorption, and late-stage hybrids actually just eat with their food with their mouths normally like we do. Abductees come back time and time again over the years to help hybrids learn how to act like people. They don't know what happiness is or how to smile, so the experience can be pretty traumatizing for abductees with a strong sense of compassion or motherliness. When the hybrids reach adolescence, they are given new tasks and responsibilities within the abduction program. They still learn from their human teachers, but will interact more with the abductees that are outside of their quote-unquote inner circle. Lots of the tasks are menial, but they are introduced officially to the hybrid program. They will assist in the abduction process as well as other procedures concerning abductees during an abduction. They also escort abductees from room to room throughout the UFO. It is uh, like how a mason or carpenter takes on an apprentice, 
they serve as apprentices to the Greys, and eventually will be, like get more and more responsibilities as they progress. But despite them starting to get serious, the adolescent hybrids are still adolescents and need to screw around and amuse themselves, which is something that sticks out to abductees. They aren't as serious or hardcore as the other aliens in the UFOs, and might actually be open to more of an open and honest communication, unlike the higher-ups who they're coy about everything and only go along with like a, a set script when talking to people who are abducted. They interact on a more social and sexual level as well, and the more they mature, the more complex the tasks they are given. It is also as they mature that experiments of a sexual nature come into play. When abductees are laid out on a table or some kind of restraint, there's many that have been reported, many different variations, but they have machines all around them that can manifest powerful orgasms far more intense than normal ones. Like with their technology, they can just push buttons and give people orgasms, as well as initiate ovulation and monitor everything basically going on with sexually with uh, the abductee, all just like with nearby tech all around them. They've even told abductees right then and there that they got them pregnant while watching the technology do its thing, which many abductees found incredibly disturbing and traumatic in their hypnotic regressions. In his book, The Threat, Dr. Jacobs goes into detail about an account of an abductee who said that a female hybrid showed her excitedly on this uh, technology that her pregnancy worked, but that the hybrid was going to carry the child for her, which of course upset the abductee to the extreme. Some hybrids are born deformed, with the hybridization process failing, and the abductees say they are missing limbs or other parts of the body, uh, or they're partially formed, or not formed at all. So in some UFOs, there's like a grotesque menagerie of these failed hybrids. And a lot of the supposedly successful hybrids have a lot of physical problems as well. Like they have many physical and mental health issues. Human males reproduce successfully with normal humans much more often than hybrid females with normal humans to a vast degree. Female hybrids giving birth find them mostly stillborn or malformed with myriad other possible issues. So there is a consistent fertility issue with these hybrid programs. Many hybrids also have intense behavioral issues. Their personality is not made up of their genetic makeup at all. So, you know, like humans are roughly half and half, half nature, half nurture. That makes up their defined personality upon maturity. The hybrids have to literally learn everything with no ancestral memories in their DNA that helps direct them instinctively or have any ancestral influence at all. And considering their environment growing up, it makes sense that a lot of them um, have been educated socially wrong and can be kind of an issue. They have strong impulses and hormones and all these different chemicals going off in their brains, which leads to many hybrids having emotional problems. And uh, a lot of them also could be what we consider sociopaths or even psychopaths abductees are usually assigned to hybrids to interact with them from the abductees infancy all the way through their entire life all of this through repeated abductions and this hybrid is tasked with escorting the abductee throughout the ufo they are allowed to talk and interact and build a relationship when they are young kids they play and do what kids do this can help ease the possible emotional issues that the hybrids have, as well as socialize them better and teach them empathy and humanity. Sexual intercourse between the hybrid and its assigned abductee doesn't start until the abductee reaches puberty. No, keep in mind, this isn't always the way it goes down. It's just one of the forms of the hybrid program that have come out of these regression accounts in this book the threat he says that there's just as many different ways that this goes down basically as there are people it's usually pretty unique to the individual now many abductees they get like a form of stockholm syndrome and develop a real love for their assigned hybrids 
I mean, this is because they've been interacting with them years over years over years over years. And even though they don't really consciously remember it, this can spill over into their normal life and affect their lives and emotional development. If you're being abducted ever since you were a kid and you grow up with all this stuff going on behind the scenes in your unconscious, subconscious, it's going to affect you as you grow, mostly in negative ways. The encounters are mostly subconscious, like I said, so it can cause mental illness and stuff like that. Uh, kids act out more, mental health issues, you know, stuff like that. But between the abductee and, and the cho like the chosen hybrid and the abductee, genuine emotional attachment is formed. But I guess it's kind of like with a phantom, which I'm sure you get what I mean. It's kind of hard for me to explain it. How can you have an emotional attachment to something that's there, but you can't remember it? How can you have all these feelings and impulses and habits, thought habits, whatever, but you don't know why or where this comes from? How can you be in love with someone that doesn't exist in your day-to-day -day life, awake or aware moments of consciousness? It can cause some serious cognitive dissonance. there thanks for listening to cryptic chronicles the show is sponsored by blueberry and if you're interested in starting your own podcast use our link we'll even give your podcast a shout out go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the blueberry link on the homepage. by doing so you'll be helping the show blueberry is optimized for itunes as well as all podcast hubs you won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees in fact you won't have to leave your own website you'll have your own rss feed and no third-party sites Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. But most of all, thanks for listening. Okay, so these these regression accounts, they get pretty weird, but at the same time, there's a lot of similarities, but they seem to be pretty unique to the individual. And one of the main overarching themes is the sexual nature of these encounters. And I know how I said that one specific hybrid would be assigned to an abductee throughout their entire lifetime, but other hybrids will also have sex with the abductee over their lifetime as well, but the assigned hybrid from the abductee's infancy is the one that remains the abductee's main breeding partner. Although the sexual activities are for experimentation, late-stage hybrids greatly enjoy it and will even mirror human affection and love to their assigned abductee. They often try to act romantic and caress 
commit foreplay. All the things that you'd think of uh, an actual couple would do who is in love. And for the most part, it's genuine. But like I said earlier, some of these hybrids are sociopaths or psychos. So it can also become abusive. But still, a lot of times, many abductees develop a very real love for their assigned hybrids over the years and whatnot. And this can spill over into their normal life and affect their lives and emotional development. The encounters are mostly subconscious, so it can cause mental illness and stuff like that, like I've already said. You know, emotional attachments are formed, but with a phantom, I guess. I mean, it's, it just kind of causes, like, issues psychologically. Some abductees actually do look forward to seeing their alien hybrid family just as much as they'd be excited to see their normal human family. And indeed, there are a lot of people out there with two families who have no idea about it. And like so much about this phenomenon, just what like is suppressed and what isn't and how it is suppressed and what is, you know, all these different things, it's very unique to the individual. Memory alteration and suppression of these memories are pretty much universal, but there are a few amount of people who remember everything. All in all, I found Dr. David Jacobs' book, The Threat, to be an amazing read, and I highly recommend it. You will find all my sources linked in the details. But let's move on to the weirder side of all this alien hybrid stuff and talk about the book, Alien Hybrids and Nymphs of Jupiter by Lou Balden. Some researchers who cover ufology have a lot more imagination in their views, such as Lou Balden, who calls a lot of these anomalous entities Noki. And he says that humans are millions and millions, if not more years old, and have actually sprung up throughout the galaxy a plethora of times, not only in the unknown, but also right here in our own solar system. And I find that pretty interesting. And the idea that our human form being a naturally occurring form in the universe, kind of comforting. In this view, consciousness itself pushes its will onto material matter, which forms into our physical bodies as hosts for the universe to experience itself subjectively. Alden takes a much more positive view on alien hybrid programs than the ones I've covered so far but he's also more new age in a lot of ways as well. But, uh, you know, just a lot more imagination and there's some woo-woo in there. Hybrid babies grow and mature at a much faster rate than normal humans, he says. And not only that, but pregnancy is also insanely faster too, lasting only around three months. And in the book Hybrids, So You Think You Are Human, by Hallowell Tannis, it goes along with a similar view in Alien Hybrids and Nymphs from Jupiter. The book uh, is basically an esoteric view, completely esoteric view of Alien Hybrids. Alden says that all have an elemental self that has existed in all our incarnations throughout history. And the hybrid aspect with aliens can also not only occur on a physical level, but it can also occur on a spiritual level as well. So your soul could be a hybrid alien. One could have like a hybrid alien soul in a way. And humans can wake up to their spiritual hybrid nature through spiritual awakening, meditation, you know, all that good stuff. And it sounds a lot like Starseed Lord, doesn't it? <laughs> but according to Balden, the elemental self is the basis of all incarnated beings. And our elemental self could have been incarnated as a ton of different life forms over the eons and many layers of existence. Entering human evolution as an elemental is just one of many options. The elemental does not have access to all possible forms of incarnation and has to request how it can incarnate, with older, more developed elementals getting much more free reign in how they continue their development in incarnated beings. Others who maybe were not so well behaved or did not succeed in other ways in their incarnation have many of the possible incarnations blocked. They can't go through them until they learn what they were supposed to learn or complete whatever tasks were given to them to complete. So according to Hallowell Tannis, elementals could even incarnate as angelic light beings, a sentient hive mind, or even extraterrestrials. 
Elementals who have incarnated as specific aliens many times are hybrids when they incarnate as normal humans. The elemental self is the template and recalls all these past lives effortlessly. However, the elemental self does not interact directly with its current incarnation, egoic self. So, you could be a hybrid and not know it. And you could even be a hybrid of hybrids if your elemental true self is particularly advanced. If your elemental self is originally from another star system, you may have a drive to assist creatures on Earth that your past life incarnations helped in one way or another. For example, dolphins and whales have been assisted by an alien race, the Pleiadians. And if your elemental was a Pleiadian, then you may have a natural magnetism towards those animals. But in the book, you could also literally have been incarnated as those animals before, too. So... You could be an animal-alien hybrid. All kinds of different stuff. And if you think that's weird, the incarnations into higher dimensions get even more weird. Again, basically just seems like starseed lore. Quote, In earlier times, when our planet was still shrouded in mist prior to Atlantis, there were many humanoid races developing on Earth. One was a race called the Hyperboreans, known by many names in different cultures and mythologies that are often based on fact. End quote. Hello, well, Tannis. Tannis says that the most common human hybrid is of the race of Hyperboreans, which are actually known by a bunch of different names from different cultures. In Irish folklore, they are called the Fomori or Fomorians. In Greek mythology, they are the Titans, etc. Look in any of the ancient cultures' mythologies, and there are Hyperboreans in it, though veiled and not obvious. The Hyperboreans were inner earthlings and did not necessarily have individuality in their earliest forms. They had a bicameral mind and were led around by archetypes, and though they were much more in touch with nature, they lacked a certain level of self-awareness. It was a less evolved form of consciousness, essentially. Since the elementals of the Hyperboreans were already Earth entities, they basically hybridized themselves with humans, like, incredibly easily. So the majority of human hybrids in this narrative are Hyperborean, which has helped ease the primal nature of these souls, these Hyperboreans, but not completely. When the Homo sapiens sapien body was fully developed with complete self-awareness, the Hyperboreans could not help incarnating as them, greatly increasing their elemental development. And let's look at some notable hybrid races from UFO phenomenon, or just alien lore in general. There is, of course, the Yayel, one of the most famous human hybrids in Starseed lore because they are not only directly made from human DNA, but are also more advanced. However, Yayel were not created by greys or reptilians or insectoids. They were genetically engineered by more positive aliens, and no human was ever harmed in their creation. Some more notable alien hybrids are grey insectoids. They are a mix of tall greys and mantis aliens. Maybe an earlier gray hybrid program, or reversed. They look kind of skinny and frail, but actually have superhuman strength. They are a secretive, neutral race, and keep to themselves pretty much 99% of the time. They are master geneticists, and collect genetic material from all organic beings that they come into contact with. But, what they do with their genetic programs is unknown. The Sasani is also a notable hybrid alien race that actually comes from Earth, just in a parallel timeline and 300 years in the future. The human race from their timeline made the Earth uninhabitable, but they survived extinction. However, the survival came at a great cost that massively caused humanity to mutate, not to mention the genetic engineering the human race conducted on itself to survive um, in their new horror reality kind of screwed them up a bit. So, Sasani are genetically engineered mutant humans from an apocalyptic future in another timeline. 
in some lore. Sasani are a hybrid that was developed from reptilians and gray aliens. But the narrative is still basically the same. Humans had to hybridize with gray aliens and reptilians to survive. Since Sasani are essentially humans, their intentions towards us are benevolent. These are the aliens that created the Yayel. Another notable hybrid race is the Seventh Ray Race. The Seventh Ray Race are indistinguishable from normal humans and were created with our DNA and a mixture of other alien genes. Their entire civilization is like holy monks or priests and is extremely into spirituality to the point that basically most other non-spiritual things are dismissed. The Seventh Ray Race is incredibly powerful spiritually but at the same time isn't the best at protecting itself and kind of needs help from other aliens that are you know and then there's the syrian insectoids who obviously come from the syrian star cluster they are pretty alien in a literal sense uh looking kind of creepy with long stringy limbs and heads and though they look horrifying, Syrian insectoids are actually pretty neutral and don't really go out of their way to get in anybody else's business. Zeta lizard humans come from the Botas constellation. To humans and other humanoid races, they all look exactly the same and are impossible to tell apart visually. Like there's nothing distinguishable about them. You, if you saw them in a room they'd all look exactly the same. Like, you, there would be no visual indications of individuality, if you get what I mean. But uh, to them, they can tell each other apart easily through tone and vibration. To their race, that's pretty much like fingerprints and basically distinguishable physical characteristics. They look pretty bizarre too. Pretty lizardy, but still kind of recognizably human. Zeta lizard humans actually volunteer to help out on Earth and have been confused with our more negative reptilian alien overlords um, because of their appearance, obviously. But in truth, these reptilian-type aliens are benevolent and really like humans. They are a mix of greys, reptilians, and earth humans, so that latter bit about how we're related to them might just be why they like us so much. They are a well-liked and agreeable race that almost all of the non-negative species in the galaxy get along with and are in good standing with. They're the good guy reptilians. And then, of course, there are the many reptilian hybrids. Our lizard people overlords have been really busy doing their genetic alterations throughout their entire millions and millions and millions of year histories. Depending on what source you're looking at, the Greys may have done a lot of work in creating reptilian-human hybrids under these reptilians. Like their instructions, they're in charge of them or whatever. They serve the reptilians. Uh, some of these reptilians do look like humans here on Earth. And uh, they their illusion can fall a little bit if certain circumstances are met. Especially their eyes, you can tell if they are reptilians in certain conditions. And then there's reptilians who have their holographic technology that like makes them appear how they want to appear or whatever which also can be you know fall to reveal who they really are in certain cir circumstances but these reptilian hybrids are so vast i mean you, it would be pointless for me to try to list them and depending on what narrative we're going off of even us earth humans guess what we're reptilian human hybrids our reptilian brain is directly from the DNA of these reptilians. So just like how I started this episode, the fam most famous hybrid alien is humans from like Anunnaki lore. And I'm ending it with human beings of Earth being the most famous hybrids, except this time with reptilians.
that's all for today's episode. And I hope you enjoyed me covering alien hybrids. Thank you, supporters, for choosing the topic of today's show. And if you would like me to make more episodes specifically concerning like these narratives surrounding hybrid aliens, let me know. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and basically all podcast platforms. If you can, listener, please make sure to review wherever it is that you are listening to this episode. If you're on iTunes, please give me a good review on iTunes, etc. It really helps out the show and helps spread out my reach. If you can, too, leave a comment, leave a like, whatever options there are to do the stuff, please do the things. It helps me greatly. Please share this with your friends, with anybody else interested in the mysteries of existence and are open-minded like you and inquisitive. Please share this with them. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for my current supporters. You keep the lights on. You pay for all of my bills of like the website, licensed music, all that stuff. You're amazing. This is all for you. And as always, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Grodius, Sophia Owens, Scott Wellman, Beware the Q, Ashley Thompson, Matt Poland, Johnny Wick, Yale Adams, Danny Van Heck, Carnage, Jesse Leach, Austin Monday, Michael Graham, Ed Hawks, Trusty Old Senpai, Lex Lazarus, Brian Nolan, Jared, Matthew Lawson, Jismic, Spacecoin, Gary Hetzel, Tom McClarney, Colton Spenner, Justin, Miyamoto Musashi, Jeremy Gross, Psychic Terror, Jacob Neil McBride, Cameron Sanders, Robin Van Patten, Ryan L., Bleed Gray, Rosalinda Gonzalez, Jonathan Jackson, and Brandon Wigglesworth. Thank you so much for supporting the show, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as one of the darkest philosophers in history once said, Metaphysics is a dark ocean without shores or lighthouse, strewn with many a philosophic wreck.